0: Welcome to the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. My name is Joel and and the purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. In this episode, we bring on co-CEO of the Luma Stella Company and the co-author of the best-selling book, Elf on the Shelf, Shanda Bell. Shanda is also a wife and mother of two kids, so we cannot wait to hear from her. Here's the conversation.
1: All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. We've got a very special guest today, uh, Shanda Bell, which you have a long list of Uh, accolades. (laughs) Thank you. But for welcome to the show. Let Let me just say this. Thanks. Elf on the Shelf creator. That'll that'll get us going. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank
2: you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so, for having so me. So
1: honored that you're here.
2: I'm honored to be here. So it
1: Thank began you. with Elf on the Shelf. Yes. And then it was. Now you're Lumistella. You're co-CEO of Lumistella. Yeah. Company. Yes. Which is this huge entertainment conglomerate. <laughs> Do you know about all conglomerate? Nice, yeah. nice word there. Yeah. So and got, you got it out this I morning. Know, this did. Monday,
3: you're doing better than last Monday.
1: <laughs> I'm bringing my A game. A game. I'm bringing great. my A game. <laughs> So, Shannon and I, we hung out last night in Greenville, South Carolina at a mutual friend's daughter's wedding. wedding. Yep. Mutual friend's daughter's wedding.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. We've actually known each other for a very long time. And Jonathan is actually one of the reasons I'm married to my husband. Nice.
3: Oh, well, let's hear this story. Yeah. So, did you know that? Or did there's that? I did know that. Yeah, he does
2: know that. So, he was on staff with Campus Outreach, and um, I went to West Georgia. My family did not have a lot of money, so I did not have money growing up. And there was a, a camp, a church camp, and um, they had asked me to go. They would asked me to sing, which I'm, I'm not a great singer, but I sang some back then. And um, anyway, I couldn't afford go, to go. And actually, Jonathan really didn't know me at the time, but he heard about it and volunteered to pay for me to go. How About that, and that's when you made like thirteen thousand a year or yeah. something pitiful. <laughs> I mean, he was, even, he was equally as poor as I was, and he still offered to pay for me to go. And so it was at that event that my husband and I like talked till two o'clock in the morning. And Dang. I'd known him for a long time, um, but it was like all of a sudden, like, hmm, you know, What's who that? I think's cute,
1: <laughs> that yeah. Murray
2: Bell guy. Yeah. So yeah, so I owe Jonathan good job, right, Pastor. So, yeah, good job. About thirty years, I guess you yeah. are
1: old. I've, I've known Chanda probably longer than Jennifer. Definitely yeah. Murray. I've known your husband yes. Murray longer than Jennifer
3: yeah, long for sure. Time. But I, okay, I want I want to know the elf on the shelf. I want to know how it started. I okay. want this, I don't know anything about the backstory. I want to know the story.
2: Okay, so long story short, because I mean that could be a whole podcast. Okay. Um, but my mom and I grew well. My mom and I didn't grow up together. <laughs> this tradition <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, my mom started your tradition. Uh, When we were growing up, I have a twin sister and a younger brother. And when we were growing up, there was an elf in our home, and my mom used to tell us that it was watching for Santa Claus. And it would move around the house, and we would run and race to find it. And we loved this tradition. I mean, we named the elf. I remember, you know, telling the elf what my siblings did wrong, you know. Um, And really just loved everything about having, like, this friend from the North Pole in our house. And so, when I grew up, I wanted, like, the tradition with my own kids and stuff like that. couldn't find an elf from Santa Claus. Um, And my mom, the backstory here is really great. Like, my mom was going through a really, really hard time. Um, Sick. uh, Just had a lot of, you know, empty nest syndrome, all of the things, and was really having a hard time. And so, I looked up one day, and our elf was sitting on the shelf. And I was like, hey, mom, let's write a story about our elf. And she's like, I don't know. Well, Okay. And so at this point, you know, my husband and I, I'm a stay at home mom, first time mom, um, really hard season of life for any moms who might be listening. It's so, so tough, so tough. And so um, I'm actually working for my dad, just trying to make ends meet. And so my dad would pay me $180 uh, every two weeks. And I thought that was like rich money, like I was rich. Um, But it was about two hours away and I was able to take my son with me. And so I'd spend the night with my parents. And then come back. Um, And so it was during that time my mom and I wrote The Elf on the Shelf. We couldn't get anyone to publish it. And so then it's like, okay, what do we do with this? It's either a good idea you have, and that's all it will ever be, or you're going to have to do something with it. And we had literally no money, we had no experience. I look back now and I'm like, how did this ever happen? Um, But it was God's plan for us. And so we ended up writing the book, learning how to get it illustrated, learning how to get it published. Ended up starting our own publishing company. So when people say all the time, like, I want to self-publish a book, I'm like, what do you really want out of this? Because you're about to get into business. Because that's what self-publishing is. So you can either put it out and friends and family buy it, and that's fine if that's what you want. But if you really want this to be a success, you're starting your own business. And so that's what we ended up doing. And so when you talk about the Lumistella company, which is the company I own with my sister, uh, it was started by my sister, my mom, and myself, um, Family all because business. we couldn't it. get, yeah, mm-hmm. couldn't get anywhere to publish it. So now it's a hundred employees that all work for Santa Claus. And so. you got to
3: do something cool with mama. I did. I mean, how awesome is that? Yeah. Forget that.
2: Yeah. And just, you know, seeing her, um, spreading the tradition, people love to meet her. Like, I mean, she's Mrs. Claus. I mean, it's really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, just getting the opportunity to work for Santa and just finding, um, this way, like I really believe that God's put me on this earth for this purpose. And people come into our universe of Elf through Elf on the Shelf, but there's so much more. And it's really about faith and hope and love. And I'm able to use the vehicle of Santa Claus um, and St. Nicholas to basically share my faith. Um, so maybe along the lines of like a C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia mm-hmm. thing, but, um, you know, I love it. So it's a lot of fun.
1: I think looking back at those very early days, I, I remember when y'all were trying to raise money. Yeah. Because you, you had to buy the books... in order to sell the books and i remember you and murray sitting down with jennifer and i we we had no money no none of us had any money we were just starting Greystone church zero
2: money yeah and we our paths have really been similar Mm -hmm. you know because as much as you're running a church it's a business you know and so we've kind of gone down that path together um but yeah we had literally no money and we didn't know anyone with money and so it's like how are we gonna do this like I don't know what we're doing. And it was just leap of faith after leap of faith. I think ignorance is bliss in some ways, which was great. Uh, We didn't know what we were getting into. Um, But, you know, we just wanted to share our tradition with the world. We had no idea that this would become a company or, you know, what we were really starting. Um, You know, people would be like, what's your business plan? I'm like, what's a business plan? (laughs) I I really, I had no idea. Um, we're trying to get this little book yeah. published. Yeah, okay, I'm like, I just, to, I just, I just want to make, make this thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of our, our background a little bit. Hope that's helpful.
1: It, it's amazing, oh, amazingly nice. helpful. And I, I love your story because you're, you're a coach's wife. I am. Murray's a high school football high school. coach. Yeah, stay head, at home. head, track coach. Stay football coach. Oh yeah. I talked to him last night about yeah. that. He's left. just won He's the region that. championship first yeah. time
2: in nine years. So he is like pumped. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: So how? So. How has Murray been, because you went from a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Y'all have two kids, boy and a girl. Yes. To being this CEO of this multi-million dollar company. It seemed Mm. like Murray, your husband, had to really support you in this venture.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, really, part of the reason we even have a company is because of him. So, first of all, what you should know about my husband, you're going to laugh about this, but he's very careful with money. I mean, this was a guy you remember. I was saying it, he's cheap? Uh, no, never. I would never Frugal. say that. Yeah. Extremely,
1: like, like in, like in college, yeah, I was about to share he that. was quartering paper, paper towels. Yes. And now they really, actually do that. Like yes. They, they come. They come that a, way. But he used to, like, if you asked Murray for a piece of gum, he'd tear half of it off and give you half of it. And he'd have a gum. whole pack.
2: But he was yep. dead serious. Very like, frugal. Here you go. Very frugal. <laughs> he had you
1: on a tight budget
2: oh. when y'all were. Uh, yeah, your wife will remember very fondly me coming to your house in tears crying. Because when I was at home, when I was a stay-at-home mom, I had been a teacher. He's a teacher. You make no money. Um, our budget changed kids' lives, but that's uh, that's another debate that's for another day. That's Athletes true. get
3: paid gazillions, but teachers get paid nothing.
2: Oh, it was awful, and so we, our budget was one hundred and fifty dollars every two weeks, and that included diapers and formula and all the stuff. And I remember I went and got like paper towel and green beans, and and Murray was like, "What did you buy? What did you get?" And I remember coming and literally crying to your wife, like. I hate this, it's so miserable, <laughs> sucks. it was horrible, uh, yeah, and so, yeah, we had we had no money, and um, anyway, to start the company, we realized, we're going to have to self-publish this book, and we had literally, I mean, like, where is this going to come from, um, and so I really prayed about it, he knew we had done the hard work, he knew we had done the research, and what I knew it was going to come down to after all the research was our personal credit cards, all we had was good credit. And I prayed. Oh, I remember very specifically praying for the right timing and just wisdom. And he and I are driving around, our little guys in the back seat. And I will never forget this. It was It's so vivid. It's like yesterday. And I'm like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And, you know, those words are never good words. Like you never want to hear that from your spouse. And so anyway, I lay out. I'm like, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to self-publish it. And we're going to need like $25,000 to do that. And at that point, $25,000 might, might as well have been a couple million. I mean, we didn't have it. And I was like, so we're going to need to use our personal credit cards to do this. And somewhere Dave Ramsey's dying. And, and I met <laughs> him, and we're, we're good. But, you know, and that's and so he looked at me, and, he, and this is when I knew this is exactly what God had called us to. He looked at me, and he said, I think I'd be okay. And I mean, I was like, what just happened? And that's when I knew, like, in my gut, this is exactly where I was supposed to be. And, you yeah, there were a lot of questions, like, he would ask me, like, I don't understand how, you know, you always wanted to be a teacher all these years, and that was your calling, and now all of a sudden it's not. Um, and I was like, well, that's what God called me to for those six years, and now he's called me to something else. And I loved teaching, um, but I use all that now to create yep. all this great stuff for children. So Well, and,
3: and that's, like, with football, everybody who ever met me was always like, "Oh, I can tell. God made you to be a football player." Yeah. And then it's funny. Now you go down the road and then football's gone. I'm like, "Oh, God made you to be a commentator." Like I think I think our perp- we're always whenever we get stuck in, we're like, "Oh yeah, this is this is exactly what God has for me." But
2: it's true. We I don't actually know, I actually it- saw you um on a television show before you were on ESPN. There was there was another Fox SEC Gridiron. Line. There was something that you were <laughs> You and
3: all you and my mom saw. <laughs> I awesome, did we did. Great. The two of
2: us were watching it. And I looked at my husband and I said, I was like, David Pollack is going places. I mean, I looked at it then and I told him, So you're right. I mean wow. it is what you were called to do. And I mean we met in when you were in high school. You don't know that. You don't remember it. Um, so that's how I knew who I was watching. Yeah. Me and Shallow your mom. high school baby. Yes. Yes, I taught at Shiloh Middle, oh. and I was there for you, not long,
3: right? Yeah, no, you got out. You were <laughs> I was there
2: like two years. Yeah, two years, yeah, two years. Um, but yeah, and so I met you. You were a senior in high school, and um, I don't know if you remember, it was like the Miss Shiloh pageant or something. I remember the Miss Shiloh. Yeah, pageant. Yeah, and you did a skit.
3: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: I'm yeah. fat
1: by Weird Al. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> He did. Yeah. He did.
1: Can we get some video of this? No, you're gonna this, need
2: it. You can't. I Wait, don't know. In fact,
3: nice.
1: I will
0: try. My <laughs> yeah, I promise Different you. Cover. Let's I get I the research team on this that.
2: immediately. I'm on yes, yes. I, I
3: bet you there's a lot of uh, husband and wives that can relate to fighting about money. It always oh. seems to be like I, I remember our first like. <laughs> I just signed with the Bengals. Yeah, and that's public. How much you make? You make you make a lot of money. I'll never forget, Lindsay walks in the door with a Target bag. And I'm like, what's in the bag? And she was like, I I got a few shirts. I'm like, did you need shirts? (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? Like, she was like, she goes, I went to Target. I was like, but did you need shirts? Like, there's no, you don't need to buy shirts if you don't need shirts. And literally, we're sitting there arguing about T-shirts from Target. (laughs) And that's when you learn as you get older. Yes. And you don't
1: ask about
0: the t-shirts, yeah, leave the don't t-shirts. ask about the bags.
3: Yeah. Oh, listen,
2: that's okay. the key to happy marriage right there. Yeah. So, yeah. It's good.
1: I, yeah. The, no, one could. of the top causes for divorce is, is arguing over money and money and finances.
3: I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it with people. That, I mean, I, and I, I haven't had to experience that, but I've seen it and I see the strain and we, we've had strain one times like to that Avenue and it was, it was real on my wife. It yeah. was really real. Like she was, Stressed to the max and it was crazy
2: it's hard it was very, it was uh, very the different. biggest fight my husband and i ever got in was about money to the point because he was so thrifty and i i mean literally really paper towel and green beans like and i finally was like you know what i realized he didn't understand how much it actually cost to live because i was handling all the books so the greatest thing i ever did from our, our marriage the books yes I was like, I'm not paying another bill. This is all on you. And you know what? I never heard another word. Mm. That's that's Uh, my tip of the day. That's it. I'm out.
1: Good advice for some young mom. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Young wife. I'm not handling the books.
2: (laughs) That's not going to work. But that's the thing, right? So I'm doing it all, and I know how much it costs to live. And I would be like, hey, we need to move $500 over from savings. $500? And I'm like, yes, we we have bills. We have to pay. And so once he saw how much it really took to live. Does he still do them? Yes, That's to this, this day. winning right there, yes, by the way. It Good is. Lord. Sure.
3: Yes, she, she taught him a lesson and got rid of the Bills. Like, <laughs> was that great. is winning. That was the I just played dumb everything,
1: and you'll never have to do anything in life. <laughs>
3: what? I don't know how that works, babe.
1: I'll do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You've been doing that your whole life. It works. <laughs> uh, hey, I let's talk a lot, okay? Let's yeah. talk about you're working full time, you're running this company. Yes. Murray's working full time. He's a teacher, coach. I mean, yep. football coaches work they so work. So hard. If they got paid per hour for what they put into it, they I, would be I, think making... I, I
2: think I literally did the math one time, one year, and it was like two or three cents an hour. It, like it's, it's, a it's a true it's passion. It is. It's a it true
1: is. passion that these guys. Exactly. So how did y'all balance you working full-time, him working full-time, and you had two, two kids growing up?
2: Yeah. Wow. Um, that's a whole podcast too. Um, you know, I think what it comes down to is really believing in the other person. And so I believed in what he was doing and the lives he was touching and um, how he was doing that, but it requires sacrifice. And there came a moment where, you know, the company's starting to take off. And again, you remember, I mean, we're selling them out of our car. I mean, I just, anybody who will listen, we're, you know, telling them about this. And um, so there came a point, it was like, hey, our kids are like, we need to be the ones raising them because we are going in so many different directions. And to his complete credit, he's the one who said, you know what? I'm not going to coach football anymore. And he stepped away from football so that he could pick the kids up after school, be, you know, um, they called all the coaches ended up calling him daddy daycare. Um, But he was, and he took that seriously. And so he 100% supported what I was doing and believed in me. And I think that's really hard for men. A lot of times if it's their wife who's, you know, but he was like, look, my job is teaching. I'm making a difference in, these li- in the lives of these kids. And even more than that, I'm making a difference in the lives of my own children. And so for both of us, it was just really important that one of us was, was with our kids. And so he stepped away for probably seven, eight years. Um, and he's like, I've never regretted it, not one second. And so, you know, I applaud him for that. You know, he he was willing. And then I realized that he actually needed financial security in order for us to be really happy. And my job was going to provide that more than his ever would. And so, um, that was really just God at work in our lives. Um, but his willingness to drop his pride, step away from his passion. And his dad was a college football coach, actually coached at Georgia. He was a defensive coordinator for Ray Goffs. And so like his family is football calling. Yeah. Calling, I mean, calling. yes. I mean, I'm like, they don't have like blood vessels. They have like footballs that run through their veins. I mean, <laughs> it's true. Um, and so, for him to be willing to do that and support what we were doing was a huge part of being able to raise our kids in a godly home, and hopefully showing them that they were the priority for us.
3: And, and I have so many friends that that need to hear that, and like, they, they make so much money. Where we're in Coney County, everybody's making a ton of money. Everybody's successful, and, and I have a lot of friends that they want more, and they want more, and they want, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with like. There's nothing wrong with being motivated. That's a great thing. But I'm always like, well, what are we going to give up? And you get one shot at raising your kids. Yes. I mean, you get one. Like, you get one summer with them. You know, you get the next summer with them. Like, and they're going to be gone super quick. And I got a couple of buddies that make good money, and they, they're they always working. They're always working. They're always working. Their kids are at my house a lot of times during the summer. And I'm just like, man, you're not going to get this back. No. Like, you don't. No amount of money in the world's ever going to give it back. And you can, And here's the thing. You can go chase all the business ventures you want when your kids are gone. you can can travel all and and a coach coaching for me has always been something that I feel like is a calling. I love it. Now I've been able to satisfy that doing youth league coaching Mm -hmm. and it's been awesome. Um, but the reason I don't jump into coaching is because you can't, you're talking about, you can't, it's hard. It's a very hard thing to coach and raise your kids. Like you can bring them up there as much as you want, but if you're not running the show, you're, you're, you're following the rules of whoever's running the show. Like there's just a lot of things that go into it. And I don't know, you, you get one shot. So whether it's chasing the big money or it's okay being struggling for a while, and then if you want to go chase big dreams, like yeah, Lindsay and I can go chase that stuff when they're gone. If you, yeah. if you really want to go You
2: really stuff. do get that one shot. You yeah. know, I have one now that's in college. He's a sophomore, and, and my daughter is a sophomore in high school, and it does go so. People tell you that, but it, you know, I mean, it, it just flies by. Uh, but you get that one chance to pour into them. And if it's not you, someone's pouring into them. And what are they pouring in? And what I've seen um, with my kids is it's it's the environment around them. You know, it's social media. It's it, it, And so my heart goes out to kids that don't have parents pouring into them, praying for them, walking alongside of them, um, because someone's going to plant it for you. Someone's going to plant those seeds. And so, you know, for my husband and I, we wanted to make sure it was one of us.
1: When recently... You've made some big decisions. You made some changes in your life and in your schedule and your career yeah. because of your daughter yes. and trying to pour more. And you realize you need to invest more into her. And in some, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk about. Davey Day- has a soon-to-be teenage daughter. She, she just had a
2: birthday, right? She just turned twelve. Okay, yeah. this
1: weekend. So yeah, she's. I have a teenage daughter. Yes, yeah. me too. <laughs> yeah, you've already had one though, so that's. It's not as
3: It doesn't matter. Does it? No. They're all different. <laughs> I'm just saying Let, you've already had one. you dealt talk, with that. Let's talk
1: about raising daughters. I think that'd wow. be a fun topic.
2: Wow. If, fun if or some of the yeah.
3: Fun or challenging slash headache.
2: It's I all of both. the above. I say both. I, I, I'm yeah. going D. I say all say of the above. above. I mean,
3: way harder than boys. I'm so sorry. It's way harder.
1: If you don't mind opening up yeah. about Kendall, yes, you have a 16 year old. She just turned 16
2: yesterday, Mother's Day. Yes. Okay. Let's go
1: driving. Yeah.
2: Well. We'll get there. <laughs> she is. She, learner's license, all the things. So um, she will be driving in a couple months. Yes. Yeah, so she did get her car, big memory, you know. And, I, of course, I'm one of those, like, they just need something safe. I'm all about the, like, just safe automobile. So, so um, did you get her
3: a minivan? I
2: thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. Yeah. So uh, it had to fit in our tiny garage. So we're good. But, yeah, we went with a, with an old used Volvo so but yeah, uh, you know, who, raising a teenage daughter is it really is the most challenging job you'll ever have. I've, I've raised a son, I've raised a daughter, and um, there's so much there, and i I will I will say, from what I have seen in my daughter's life, it's it's there's so much about the environment that they're in. So there's a book by Carrie Kempakis called, and I might be saying her her name wrong, um, but it's like Love Well or Love Them Well. And um, I started actually a mother-daughter Bible study, and, and we can get into that if you want to, um, because I was seeing you know, my daughter in this environment, and there was literally, it was spiritually dead, absolutely spiritually dead. There was not a Christian organization on campus that was thriving. It was... I mean, I it was almost like mind-boggling to me, like what talking I was about seeing. your
1: daughter's uh, friend group.
3: It and was her, the friend school, group. The it was she the went school.
2: To. It's COVID. It's social media. It's I guess all COVID's when things. she
3: started school or high school.
2: Yes, so okay, she started so in. No, it did not. And um, so in her book, she lists like fourteen things that you know teenage girls face, and you read this and you're like, wow, the empathy needed. For what they're facing. And so as a parent, it's that struggle between how much empathy do I show here? And I am refusing to raise a brat. I mean, you are not gonna be a brat. And that's the I way can't tell you how
3: many times Lindsay said I'm not raising an ungrateful brat. Yes. I, mean, I feel the same to, way. To Leah.
2: My two yes. face. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. would not
3: raise a mean girl. I would yes. not raise an ungrateful brat. Like she said that to her a lot of times. And I love it. I love when she says it. Like I just, that will not happen. It yes. doesn't happen in this house.
2: It does not. And they, but their hormones are crazy. And so I'm reading this book and it's just so much about empathy and the stuff that they face is stuff y'all we never faced. Ever. Because even the guys that they're talking to have phones in their pocket and are exposed to stuff that somebody's friend down the street had to have a magazine right, to see or to know about, and so that puts extra pressure on these girls, Um, and it was just literally a spiritual dead zone, and I'm watching her fall through these cracks, even though my husband and I are walking with the Lord, we have a great church, you know, and I'm just watching her life fall apart around her, and her making decisions, and again, I have to celebrate the wins here. Everyone else she knows is vaping, and smoking, and having sex, and you know all the stuff, and so I literally remember thinking to myself for a moment, like, "Wow, in perspective, she's doing great." And I looked at her and I said, and she's like, "Well, at least I'm not doing." And she named it all off, and I said, "But that's not our standard."
1: You know, I was about to say, "We've got to, we've got to raise that bar." That's the key. Yeah.
2: The standard is not not vaping and not having sex. That's not the standard. The standard is. You know, holiness, righteousness, a relationship with God, you know, making, you know, right choices, being valuable to society. Like, that's where our standard is. Um, Hard work. Um, And so, it really just became evident to me um, that no one around her was going to step up, and it had to be me. And so... So how'd um, you do it? Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, there was COVID, and so I ended up with covid I spent five days in the hospital, um, ended up with PTSD from that because the person across the hall from me passed away, and then I heard the nurses talking in the hallway, and I have never experienced anything like that before since. Like, I didn't know what was happening to me, um, and so anyway, thank God he had plans for me, and it was not my time to go, and I know so many people have it so much worse, but I ended up with long-haul COVID which could be a whole nother podcast too, but anyway, been fighting through that over the last eight months, but what I found was that God used that to open up my schedule so that I could really plug into her world and be all in all the time, and so before I was working, you know, 80 hours a week, still plugged in, I mean, I coached her cheer I did whatever I needed to do to be there um, thankfully had that flexibility but by the same token I'm like all of a sudden I'm like ooh no ma'am these are not the friends we're going to hang out with this is not you know that the choices that we're going to make and um, so I mean I went all in like crazy mom level all right, so hold on a
3: second we, you say that I think there's a lot of people out there that go yeah you know what my friend my friend's choices aren't the best for my kids yeah how do you do that? How well, do you, how do you attack that without like, well,
2: and it's hard because you're friends with their moms. Oh yeah. Right. So that's a whole nother level. And I love those ladies and I love those girls. I coached them in cheer. i we had the bad news bears when we started and we end up at the championship and I'm like, yeah, you know? Um, and so I love these girls and I'm pouring into them too, but my priority is my daughter. And I was like, I don't care what anyone else is doing. What I care about is you. And so we, I, it was all in. So the, these were the things; these are the steps that I took. I can't say that they are great for everyone, but for my daughter, um, we lost Snapchat. Which in the in my house, no one could have social media until ninth grade, anyway. So um, both my children thanked me later for that. So I know that's hard for parents who are listening, and because everybody has it, right? And I was just like, no, we're not. And I know they have the secret code, the secret. Snapchats that their parents don't know about the and all that ones, kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was digital auntie on that. And and I pre- appreciated that my kids didn't make those choices to do secret accounts and stuff like that. But at this point, I'm like, you know what? No more Snapchat. We're losing that. And then it became the begging for Snapchat. That's how people communicate. No, I don't even know people's phone numbers anymore. And I was like, you know what? And I kept telling myself, God's word will not return void. So... I started watching all these teen podcasts from preachers and all sorts of stuff. And I would pick one. I'd watch the whole thing. I'd come up with a quiz. And so she literally, like, if you want Snapchat, I'll trade you. For this 30-minute podcast, you can have 30 minutes of Snapchat. Oh, I like that. And so that's what I did. And, but, but, again, I mean, I had to watch it. And then she had to pass the quiz
1: you're creating, you're creating quizzes. Yes. Based on I had
2: full quizzes on what are the three steps to whatever and you know, whatever. But you know what? She was watching them and I kept telling myself, God's word is not going to return void. It is living and active. Like it's sharper than any double edged sword. And I'm just trusting it's going to pierce her heart because I can't be her conscience. That has to come from God and her relationship with God has to be her own. So it's about like, how do I, how do I give her that space? Right. Right. So I'm like, all right, we're, we're gone with Snapchat, and Instagram. If you want to earn those things, you can have them back this way. Um, we started driving to a church youth group that was an hour away from our house. And I was like, I don't care what it takes. We're going to get her there. And you know what? The girls there were really nice to her, and she found her people. And that's huge because it's girls are mean. They are hard to find, you know, a good group who is kind to each other. Why are you all so mean? I don't know. Boys are easy. I, you know, I have to say, boys are easy. They can all pick up a ball and, and play. And play. They all have to be so they mean? Play. Girls can't share friends. Yes, girls have a hard time sharing friends, and certainly sharing the attention of boys. That, that it's hard for girls.
3: Just don't understand it. We're just, but you we're know so what? Not easygoing. all girls
2: are mean. But I also find, and it's part of what I've done in this this uh, mother daughter Bible study that I started. Church youth groups are really geared towards guys. It's hey, let y'all sit here and watch all the guys play basketball. And they're standing around, right, talking. Um, that's actually not fun for girls. I mean, people think that, but it's, it's, not, it's not fun. There's a few who are real good athletes, but they're not going to go insert themselves into the guys' basketball when you're the new girl joining the youth group, right? But anyway, the girls there were really nice to her. And she got in the car, and she loved it. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, step one, step one. So now we're doing. Hey, let,
1: let, let's go back to that, because I think that's huge for people to hear. You what? wanted to get her in the right youth group, yes. the right church group. Yeah. So you you live in Brookwood. Y'all They live close to Brookwood High School. Yeah. Driving all lives. the way out to Oconee. Yeah, it was to, a full For Wednesday hour. night, and your daughter doesn't drive, so you're.
2: Yes, I, did, I was all in. So I'm you're like, dri- every,
1: every, Wednesday, every Wednesday, Wednesday night you're driving her out there? Out there and back.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just was, and I would walk the truck at Prince Avenue, make the best of it, you know, being there. Um, And then I'm in that struggle, like, do I get involved in the youth group? And I'm like, you know what, no, because I want this to be her thing. I want this to be her group and her thing, and um, so that's been great for her. And then I ended up, so to your point about, like, there was all these friends that she had. um, I was like, all right, it is a dead zone here. It is dead. What are we going to do about it? And that's why I started this mother-daughter Bible study. And I knew the girls wouldn't come on their own. So that's why I had to plug the moms in who I'm friends with. And I, and I knew their moms would make them come. And then my goal was, this is going to be the funnest Bible study ever. Ever, ever. Ever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you succeed?
2: I hope. I hope so. <laughs> they kept coming back. How so do we, I how have do we to make assume. it fun? You know, it was all about, like, the games and the activities and making people really uncomfortable on purpose. So, it was everything from, like, use this thing of aluminum foil, and you have to make a statue of the people in your group. The moms and daughters are working together. You know, it's um, passing candy-type games. It's just all sorts of stuff. Like, you can't not participate. At one point, I made them do a um, scavenger photo hunt in the neighborhood, I'm dividing I mean it was hilarious. we actually had neighbors like complaining because there's people in their yard taking pictures I mean it was just awesome um but I mean we're talking basic basic like I'm just wanting them to fall in love with Jesus that is it because everything else will take care of itself yep. um but just getting them to plug in just wanting getting them to want to come and come back and so we've been able to go a little deeper each time i've I've done it um Let's see. I usually do like a four or five week, like this is a four or five week commitment. And at first my daughter was like mortified, like mom. And I'm a galvanizer. So like, let's all get behind this. Let's do this. It's going to be so fun. Um, And now she asked for it. Like, mom, when are we starting back? So I'm like, you know, thank you, Jesus. But then we also switched her school. And that was really hard for us because my husband teaches and coaches at the school where she was. And so that was an uphill battle. He couldn't see what I could see, which was... Girls, specifically, they need a group. It takes a village to raise children, but she needs, like, I grew up with an awesome youth group, an awesome, you know, we had a really active FCA, and we just had all of this, like, pouring into me all of the time. Um, God, I had godly Christian parents, and so I'm seeing all these kids on an island. I'm like, again, I will, I will pour into them the best ways I know how, but I've got, to, I've got to do something for my daughter, and it can't just be me. And I'm like, she can't just hear it from me. And she can't just hear it from John at Pastor J. you know, on Sunday. And so, um, ended up trying to look for a, a Christian school. And of course, everyone we go to, she pulls in and it's, this looks like a prison. I was like, well, these kids look really happy. Let's yeah. just give this a chance. Look at the smiles I on their faces. I know, they're, they look so happy here. And so, we, we toured several, went into them. Um, and I mean, this is just how God works, so... I've probably visited three or four, uh, sent an email to another one or two and I got the whole, I'm sorry, we're full, you know, email back. Well, Kendall is at youth group in Oconee. I'm walk, I'm walking the track and I literally am crying out to God. I'm like, God, you have not cleared my husband's heart. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, God is not a God of confusion. So he's going to put us on the same page. Like, that is how I really felt about this. This isn't going to be me, like, doing my thing What I feel like is best. Like, we all have to be on the same page here. And so I'm crying out to him. I'm like, God, I need you to change my husband's heart. I need you to get my daughter excited about this. And I need us to know where we're supposed to go. And I'm willing to stay if that's what you want. But I just feel like I feel so strongly that she needs something else. The next day, I got a phone call from the school that had told us there was no room. And it had been weeks since I had heard from them. I set it up. My husband's willing to go on the tour, take Kendall in there. We pull in. It looks like a prison. We leave there. And I'm like, oh, it was good. It was fine. Both of them look at me and they're like, oh, I loved it. And I'm like, what? What just happened? What just happened? So I am literally like that day. I'm like, what do we have to do to get in? And I am, everyone's essay got written by me. (laughs) (laughs) I am like... You know we're going to start
3: this cheating? That's how we're going to start this, by God.
2: Yes, I am like, our stuff was in like by that night. I am like, what do we have to do? I asked my husband literally like three questions. Like, how did you come to know the Lord? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what's your specific answers? And like that one in his testimony letter. You know, my daughter, I'm like, why do you want to go here? And she's like, well, they were nice to me. Great. You know, they're nice to her. I mean, I was like all in. Um, and you know what? She loves it. I, I couldn't pay her to go back to her old school. And we've only been there, you know, three months. So, you know, you just have to be willing to do the hard stuff. You've got to be willing to do what it takes to put your child in the situation that's best for them. And my son did fine at that school, but he was a different kid. He, he was a leader. He was walking with God. He, he knew who he was. He still didn't have the friend group that I had wished and hoped for him and was praying for him. But God gave that to him in college. I mean, he has amazing godly Christian friends um, playing football at Furman. I mean, these guys are tight, and they're amazing.
0: Thank you for listening to the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. After hearing Shanda's story, it really inspires me to chase after my dreams. If you want something, go and get it. If God is calling you somewhere, go. If you want something better for your family, make it happen. And the way that Shanda has used Elf on the Shelf to reach people for Jesus is incredible. It is a perfect testament that you don't have to be in full-time ministry to be a missionary. We are all missionaries in our own workplaces. It doesn't matter whether you work for Santa or you're a high school football coach or, an, or if you're an ESPN commentator. We can use our platform and our influence to reach people for Jesus. So where is call, where, <laughs> so where is God calling you in this season of life? Are you being obedient to that calling? I encourage you to investigate and pursue where God is calling you to be. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals podcast. So this is just part one of our interview with Shanna Bell. So tune in next week for part two.